Welcome to the new episode of the BC Real Estate Review, a podcast that discusses the news, trends, and overall what's happening in the British Columbia real estate scene, with a primary focus in Vancouver. We want to take the view from both the real estate housing side, but also from the mortgage side. We want to provide a full overview of the real estate scene with good education, solid tips that can help you make sense of everything as you move along your own home buying journey. Owning a home can be difficult and can be even more so in Vancouver, BC, which is one of the most expensive markets in North America and really the world. What if there were other options, more creative opportunities available to own? Well, that's where my guest comes in, Noam Dolgan, a realtor with Heller Merch Realty and is an expert in sustainable housing solutions and creative real estate. So, Noam, please say hi. Hello, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Noam. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but actually, Noam is my Hebrew name. So that's a we have a bit of a common bond here. That, that, that's a pleasant thing to hear. <laughs> it's, uh, it's something I don't hear too much anymore. But uh, yeah, Noam, uh, which means pleasant, uh, is uh, is my uh, my Hebrew name. So uh, there's there's a there's a bond there already. Um, so Naim Ma'ad, which means it's a it's a pleasure. It's pleasant to meet you. Ah, thank you. My Hebrew is rusty. I have not been able to do it anymore. You know, my days of, of being able to speak it uh, well uh, are long past, if ever. Before we like kind of jump into the conversation, you know, just to let people know, who are you? What's your jam? Let me know a little bit about yourself. Uh, yes, well, happy to. Uh, so my name is Noam Dolgan. I'm a real estate agent here in Metro Vancouver. And my, my focus is on sustainable real estate and co-ownership and as you mentioned kind of creative ways of looking at housing not just as a home and a purchase but really as the basis of your life of your lifestyle of your community and of uh, our attempt to live a sustainable um, life and by sustainable I mean economically sustainable and needs to be affordable to you uh, which is hard to do in this market. Uh, we, I mean, socially sustainable, that it, you know, you're surrounded by community, friends, family, loved ones, that it's a positive environment for you. And then, of course, that it's also ecologically and environmentally sustainable, that it places you in a place where you can drive less, maybe grow your own food, uh, live maybe in higher density, whatever the, the solutions are for you that can help you live uh, better on the planet. So I, I look at real estate from that, from that perspective. How can we create a home for you that works on a triple bottom line, financial, social, and ecological basis? Essentially, in a way, you're not finding someone a house. You're literally finding someone a home where it's like somewhere where they can build community and build a life for themselves, not just a place with four walls and a roof, so to speak. Absolutely. And I think far too often, especially in the insanity of trying to get into this crazy market, you just got caught up on trying to find a home that works for you and don't think about the larger setting of that home and how that will support your life and your lifestyle uh, and your general happiness and well-being going forward absolutely can you tell me uh, how did you get into this sort of thing like what what drove you to create this idea or, or think of this idea to to make it your specialty well in before entering real estate uh, my background is in uh, community development and environmental education okay. so i was out there in the world helping people kind of fix their problems you know they 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 got what can i do to to to, to be better on the for the planet what can i do to, to have more sense of community and, and support. 
And it often came down to changing their housing, right? Living closer to people, living closer to shopping, growing, getting closer to where they can grow their own food or be outdoors. And so then when I transitioned into kind of the next phase in life, it occurred to me that helping people create the right housing choice in the first place could have the biggest impact um, on them, on the planet, uh, and on our communities as a whole. So that's how I came into real estate with that mindset. And then the economic side of it has always been a, a major part of it, working with a lot of you know, teachers and social service workers and just kind of re real people um, as prices just keep escalating in Vancouver, looking for creative solutions to make housing more affordable. It just became more and more important. Uh, as, as housing became more and more out of reach for most people. Absolutely. And so you touched on a little bit about like what sustainable real estate is. So can you share a little bit more, expand on that a bit and just so people understand or and really what co-ownership is in and of itself? Because there is a difference between like co-ops, which people hear about all the time, and what you're doing is which is more co-ownership. Is that right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Co-op would be one form of co-ownership. There are, there are many forms out there. Uh, and there are really amazing forms of collaborative housing uh, and community-based housing that are not co-ownership also, that are co-housing or co-ops or, or just intentional communities. So there's, there are lots of options out there and understanding how to navigate uh, those complexities because they're not all on MLS or obviously available to most people or some just take more work and understanding. So helping people through that process, I'm happy to talk more about that uh, as we go forward. To go to your initial question about what is sustainable real estate, because that's really the overarching umbrella that brought me into this field uh, and that I work from, and co-ownership is one subcategory of that. Uh, basically, as I, as I mentioned, sustainable real estate comes down to, to three things. It's about creating a home that works on this triple bottom line uh, philosophy, so that it is socially, economically, and environmentally sustainable for you. And everyone's situation is a little bit different. What, they, what their choices are that they're making environmentally, um, what they, you know, what, where they want to live is going to affect that, um, what they can afford clearly is going to affect that, and what kind of community they want and what kind of, what kind of how much they want to be surrounded by folks, um, you know, and, and connect to people is going to change for people. So it's, it's a little different for everybody. But you, you work with folks to make sure that, that the housing that they're choosing and the community they're choosing really is something that will sustain them and, and reduce their footprint um, and, and be good for them in the long run because not forcing them to buy and sell real estate every few years or have to move something that, will, that they, can, they can age and stage and place on or whatever it is in their situation. Um, for a lot of people, you know, it, what it comes down to is really about placement, right? Living in a home that is close to their friends and family, living in a home that is close to transit, living in a home that is close to green space, living in a home that is, you know, they can, they can walk or cycle um, to, to work or to, or to friends and to shopping. For a lot of people, it's about buying homes that have more, more suites in them. So a lot of two and three suited homes, which is both economically more viable, you have rental income, socially more viable if you're bringing friends and community into those spaces and it's ecologically more viable you have more people living in that home you're sharing resources uh, you're living in a higher density more efficient environment for many folks it's about growing food so properties that allow them to to turn their land 
into into micro farms or uh, or really kind of reflective spaces. Really, how do you utilize this opportunity to get a piece of land and a house and an asset and make sure it works for you on all three of those fronts? Can you walk me through a couple of different scenarios of people that have been able to use your program? Just I'm trying to make a link of how people can, you know, see themselves in this uh, sort of idea. I mean, it is creative. So I'm I'm sort of seeing it like, OK, hey, people might be wondering or hopefully uh, people are wondering is how can I get involved in something like this and how does it work for me then? Right. So we haven't even started talking about co-ownership specifically, but generally every real estate purchase that you make, you should be going into with a triple bottom line sustainability mindset, right? You, you and your realtor, I'm happy to work with your clients or, or you know, your own realtor should go in to say, how does this property work for me? Does it place me in the lifestyle that I want? Does it reduce my ecological footprint to the best of my ability? Uh, is it going to be the best you know, investment and or, you know, affordable in my lifestyle, right? That should be the basis of every decision we make, not just in real estate, but in life. Um, and you should make sure you have professionals who are supporting you, who can, who, can think, who can think that way and who can support you to make the best informed decision. So sustainable real estate is, is, should, be, is, should be everyone and every decision and everything that we do. And you can do that through buying a, a traditional home. You can do that through buying a condo. You can do that through buying you know, leaseholds and co-ops or buying into co-housing or buying in a farm somewhere. There's many versions of that. And it's, it's just should be underlying in all of our decisions. And I'm happy to talk to anybody more thoroughly about their particular needs, their lifestyle and how to best maximize for their, for their sake. Um, my particular specialty um, that I've evolved into because there seems to be a particular need for this in the community right now is co-ownership which is to help multiple individuals or multiple families um, come together and purchase one property collaboratively to create a housing alternative that doesn't necessarily exist in the traditional market. So an example of this would be a house with a laneway house in Vancouver, for example. So you have a single property with two houses on the property. In, in East Vancouver, for as a, an example price point, you could buy this starting at around $2.1 a house with a laneway house on it, an older house with a newer laneway, uh, and of course, up from there. Um, in that situation, you could have, let's say, a family with a parent or parents living in the back. You could have a, a family with a friend living in the laneway. You could have five or six individuals each sharing the house, two or three on the, on the main floor, two or three in the garden suite, one in, or two in the laneway house. Um, and they can have housing that is, again, community. You're surrounded by the important people in your life, be it friends or family. Uh, and you actually know your neighbors, unlike buying into a regular duplex where you're stuck with co-owners who you don't know, just random strangers. If you, you already have talked to people in advance and you have a sense of shared values and timelines, um, you can create affordability because you, if you look at that 2.1 million, if you divide it, let's say 1.4 million for the main house and 700,000 for the laneway house, you know, a family, you can't get a house in East Vancouver for less than you know, basically 1.8 million that you'd want to live in these days. Uh, and now you've brought the entry point down by $400,000 for basically the effectively the same product, maybe without access to the garage. But, um, and then the person in the laneway house gets a 700-square-foot standalone little house, which is a unique product, doesn't otherwise exist in the market, 
for the price of buying, you know, a new condo unit, but it's a much better product than a condo. You get a, you know, a little house with your own yard access and a shared interest in land. Uh, and so both parties benefit financially. They get either cheaper products or products that don't otherwise aren't otherwise available. Um, both parties benefit socially. Um, and then environmentally, again, you're now utilizing this, this, this land for, for, for higher density. And again, that's how you choose to use it and where you choose to live. But that's one example, you know, multiple houses on one lot. Other examples include properties that themselves have multiple suites in them. So in Vancouver, a classic example is the Vancouver Special, which <laughs> basically is a two-story property, right, where each level is full height, two or three bedrooms, 1,000 to 1,400 square feet, um, and so two families or, you know, two sets of adults can, can share that property. Uh, and instead of buying a half duplex starting at 1.4 million now in East Van, they could be buying, you know, half a house starting at 900,000 or a million each. Um, you can, there are larger, larger converted homes that have three or four suites in them that have historically been converted for rental, but, you know, multiple groups Couples or individuals could buy that together and each have their own 700, 800 square foot, two bedroom suite in a 3,000 plus square foot home. Um, I mean, there are really, there are endless examples. In the rural settings, we have, you know, farm shares, again, properties with lots, lots of different multiple homes on them. Uh, I recently just uh, helped a group acquire a property in Horseshoe Bay that had eight cottages on three lots. Um, and these are like permanent occupancy cottages. They had been rental suites for many years. Uh, they were built as vacation cottages 100 plus years ago. Um, but because of the way they were structured, you know, they, they you couldn't buy them as individual little homes. But they're the sweetest little 400, 700 square foot houses on the edge of Horseshoe Bay overlooking the bay. Really a wonderful little property, a wonderful little community. Um, but not available to be purchased individually. But by working collectively, eight individuals were able to come together and, and create a structure um, to, to acquire these properties and to have really unique housing options. So, you know, it, it comes in a variety of forms. It really comes down to who, what people are looking for, what housing is available in their area, um, what they can afford, and then navigating it to bring that all together. Um, I've also so far only talked about properties where you have separate suites. Um, there's also people looking to live collectively. Um, the collective housing movement has really been growing a lot over the years, uh, primarily in rentals because it's easier. Um, but more and more we're seeing ownership co-ops and ownership collectives where people are sharing living rooms and kitchens and they each have their own bedroom, bathroom and sitting area or some kind of, you know, some level of privacy, but also a lot of community. And if you share, actually, if you share that kind of space, you can really create more sustainability and affordability because, you know, you've, you've overlapped much more. So if you get five adults to share, you know, a $2 million East Vancouver house, now you're at a $400,000 entry point per person, which is much lower than you'd pay even for a, a small one-bedroom um, condo in Vancouver, right, which starts these days at around five fifty. So there's... You know, what, whether it's collective in terms of how you live or just collective and cooperative in terms of how you own, uh, there really is, I think, a lot of options here. Uh, and when people are faced with the question, when they, when they look at it and they examine the idea, they say, would you own with family or friends or even strangers to, to get this kind of affordability and this kind of support and community? It's amazing that 
up to 25% of Canadians say yes. This is a growing, a, grow, a huge potential and just makes a lot of sense because it's how things were done for generations. I mean, we only had the Strata Act in BC only came into effect in 1966, I believe. So before that, if you wanted to own something collectively, you owned it with your family or you owned it with your friends or you formed a corporation or a co-op. So yeah, it's a, it's a growing thing and it makes a lot of sense to, to deal with the social, the, the environmental and the economic issues of, of housing and life. That's interesting. And you really kind of touched on a whole lot of things there. First off, I'm curious because you you mentioned the word co-op in there. And I think one of the things that one of the stress here is that there is a difference between like you see co-ops like uh, Cosmos and a few others around town, uh, several in East Van for sure. And, and down on Kitts, I know there's one down on Kitts Beach. There's a difference between that and those things, those entities and what you're talking about. Is that right? Uh, yeah, so in Vancouver, when you hear the term co-op, most people think rental co-op, in, in which case the land is owned by the corporation and administered by the corporation, or maybe it's owned, it's leasehold or some other owned thing, and you buy a share into it, but really you're a renter. You're a renter and you are part of, of managing it and running it and maintaining it, and there's a sense of community, hopefully, if it's done well, um, but it's not... It's, you, you don't build equity. You don't own a piece, a part of the land. We do in BC have some equity co-ops, which is what I'm referencing in this case, which is basically when people come together and form a cooperative corporation and own shares in that corporation, uh, and then as part of that have the right to occupy a suite in the building. And there are 20 or 30 buildings from the... 60s, 70s, and some more that have popped up again recently throughout Metro Vancouver, and many more kind of land co-ops across the province, um, where multiple people have come together to buy real estate over the years, and they own shares in the co-op. Um, so you do have, we do have to clarify whether you're talking about a rental co-op, which is what most people think about when they think about co-op housing in Vancouver, or we talk about an equity co-op. Um, but it, in, in an equity co-op, you do own your, your stake uh, or a portion of the company as a whole. Um, and I said, we talked to some beginning, he said, you know, look at creative solutions. I mean, they really are, there are a number of these older buildings, be them co-ops or properties that are called undivided interests, which are basically the same thing. You own shares in a corporation. It's just not a cooperative corporation. And, you know, you, instead of, owning the, your property outright, you own a share in the, in the company that owns your property. Um, but there are a few of those out there and they provide some affordable, more affordable options. They tend to trade at a 30 or 40% discount off of a traditional um, strata unit because they're a little harder to finance um, to get mortgages on and things like that. And because they, people don't understand what the product is and what they're buying. And they're, so it comes with a stigma. So again, if you're willing to, to under, spend the time to understand these products and explore them um, and, and understand how to finance them, that's, that's your specialty, Jordan. Right, exactly. Then, yeah. then, then uh, there's really opportunity there to, um, again, to, to find affordability in otherwise uh, unaffordable markets. That's a that's a good point. And you talked about like several people that wanted to do this. And you mentioned this amazing uh, situation that happened on Horseshoe Bay. You know, talk to me about the process then. Like, tell me more about the beginning 
to, you know, finally getting a place. It's not like, you know, I walk into a room and then go, okay, we're all going to buy a place. We're good. There's a certain amount of, you know, getting to know your your friends or your neighbors or whoever, or a group of people that are interested in doing something like this, especially because it is such a creative endeavor. Absolutely. And I, I don't remember the name offhand, but there's an Australian TV show that that has this premise. They basically, four friends are at a bar one night, or five, five, not even friends, five acquaintances who barely know each other at a bar one night, or at a wedding, at a wedding table, and all their friends are talking about their housing and their real estate and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, why is everyone else, just because we're single, we shouldn't have to miss out. Let's all buy a house together. And so they just do it. And it's a great premise for a sitcom to just, you know, five random strangers come together and buy a house spontaneously. But of course, that's not how the <laughs> yeah. real world works. And so that's why uh, we created the organization Coho BC. So Coho for collaborative or, uh, or co-ownership of homes. Uh, CohoBC.com. And it's really a, a collaboration of professionals who had been working with people uh, in isolation who wanted to do this and realized that it was best if we came together to guide people through the entire process because it's not something where you really want experts who've done this before, so you're not reinventing the wheel every time. Uh, you want the support through it. You want people to understand what the specialty questions are you have to ask. And so um, myself, in combination with, with lawyers, financiers, and builders and mediators and also the folks who've dealt with, with, with housing came together to form Coho to guide people who are looking to do the co-ownership process from beginning to end through the, the asking the, what are the questions you need to ask about the, the legal agreement you need to sign. Um, you know, you can't just go and buy the first house you see. What do you, you know, what's the process you have to go through to figure out what we're going to work for you, what's not going to work for you. So, yeah, I definitely encourage folks, there's, we do an hour session on, on this question. So I don't, I'm trying to answer it quickly. And the quick answer is, is come to Coho and we'll guide you through it. And basically we look to do two things. One is if you have your partner, if you have a family member you want to go on with or a friend or a business partner, a neighbor, we've worked with people in all sorts of different combinations. We will guide you through the whole process. Uh, and if you don't have a partner, but you think that you'd like to find somebody who would be complimentary to you. You know, you'd be great for a laneway house and you want to find a family for a main house. Or you'd be good to go in, into a suite with three other people in a similar age thing. Or you want another family to find. We actually set up strangers. I mean, that's what this Horseshoe Bay project was a group of strangers. Uh, we've set up families with other families to buy duplexes together. Um, and so you can come to Coho and uh, go through our matchmaking systems um, and our events to meet other, other people to partner up with. So, yeah, we really try to guide you through it. And then that's just getting you into the process. And then, of course, down the road, if and when one of you wants to leave before the other, uh, we'll be here to help resell your share, find, find a new partner, kind of send you back into the dating pool um, so that you're not forced out of your home. Because that's one of the big fears people have. Uh, and I've talked a lot about the advantages of, of co-ownership, and I, there's a lot more I haven't even mentioned. But there are two big fears or, or things that hold you back. Number one is the exit. What if one person wants to sell and the other one doesn't? And number two is financing. Um, you all, as of right now, under Canadian law, you all need to be on the mortgage on a property. So you're jointly on the hook, you know, for the entire property. Um, and, you know, there are ways to protect yourself and mitigate these risks. And that's what a legal agreement and an important experienced lawyer is all about. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the exit strategy part, if, you, you end up with, with three choices, right? You either buy your partner out, you find a new partner, or you sell the property off. 
Uh, and so, you know, we will guide you through that process of helping you figure that out down the road. But we're also trying to grow that resale network so that you know there is an exit strategy that doesn't force you out of, out of your home, that you can find another potential buyer to come in and partner up with you. So, yeah, so there's people should come to the Coho website, cohobc.com. They should sign up for one of our What is Co-Ownership info sessions. They should read the guide to co-ownership. There's lots there that basically explain the process, the challenges, the opportunities, and how we can uh, help make this, this a reality for you to save some money, build more community, and, uh, and just live better all around. That's awesome. And like we touched on so many things that, you know, I've realized that we're going to have to go into part two at some point and then really kind of discuss more in depth a couple of these things. Since we've sort of touched on a lot of things, can you share like a really great story on how you were able to kind of make something work and really have the magic sort of really connect for people and have it happen for them? Like, how can we do that? How can something like that happen? Can you share a story about it working out? Sure. Happy to. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing because it comes in, in different varieties, right? It's, that's the beauty of my job is when people are able to navigate and find a home they're really happy with, a setting they're really happy with. It, it really, it, it, it's, it's what makes my job worthwhile. I think that one of the best examples is, is a recent example of uh, a young family, a young woman, uh, and she's actually, I'll, I'll spoil the story, which is to say that I was so impressed by her and so excited by the initiative that we've actually now hired her as the new coho matchmaker. <laughs> wow, so, okay. Um, I'll just put that up front. So Liz, the story of Liz um, and her partner, you know, they had been part of the coho community for a while, had been looking for for partners and, and asking around, really excited about the opportunity um, to, to, to live with another family uh, in East Vancouver and have their kids grow up in combination with another, another family of similar age kids. And, you know, after having trouble finding partners for a while, they came to me and said, let's, let's just put out a, an ad. Let's, let's put out a, you know, a little call saying, this is who I am. Um, I'm looking for a partner. Come join me. And so we put we we put the call out. We put a little you know description of of the couple and their kids out to to the to our co community and got a number of responses. And we set them up on dates. Uh, and the very first date we set them up with was with uh, another couple, and they hit it off immediately. In fact, they we had plans to meet uh, all together the first time, but in the conversation about making plans, they were so kind of excited and that they made a second earlier plans and met individually first and they became good friends even before we had a chance to kind of start looking at housing we spent i guess you know a few months looking for homes and they've just recently um you know completed a sale on a what was a, a fourplex a four-story uh house in east vancouver but around three thousand square feet um, that they're going to uh, reconvert back into a duplex. It's an, it's an, it's an original design. Um, and they'll have, because it's a four-story building, they each have kind of you know above-ground traditional housing structure, two-story um, traditional housing. They're right in the heart of Grandview Woodland, a neighborhood they couldn't otherwise afford. Um, and most importantly, they've really made this amazing, amazing connection. I mean, working with them was so delightful to watch them kind of joking and, and with each other and talking about the plans for the future and the enthusiasm around 
the partnership and 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 the kids um one of them was was pregnant and kind of looking for you know the future of, of these kids growing up together and how they're going to design the yard to be to be ideal for the children and and talking about you know how they can support each other and care um so it was really wonderful to be part of that that matchmaking process and watch this relationship you know it really is you know we, we actually talk a lot about how co-ownership is like a marriage right you're you're it's not a marriage that you're going to go into till death do you part. It's one that you know is going to going to end in five, ten, twenty years, and you plan for that. But you know, it's someone who you're combining your finances, your housing, your lifestyle, um, you know, your decision making with, uh, and so you want to take it that seriously. And it was really beautiful to watch that formation unfold so cleanly. I mean, it, sometimes it can be it can be a little more a lot more challenge. And this one just kind of. We put out the call, the right person came, they hit it off immediately, and, and I could just watch their relationship bloom, and then we found the right home, uh, you know, we, we were looking at a few that just didn't quite work, and then the right home came along, that we were able to get them into it, and yeah, and it's, it's really satisfying uh, to watch it happen, and then again, because they were just, she was just such a uh, enthusiastic about it, and such a, I was so impressed by, by, by them, specifically, I then hired Liz to go out and help others to do the same thing. Happy to connect people with her. They can hear her story more in detail because if they do get into our matchmaking process, she'll be the one the one reaching out to you. Absolutely. It's interesting. I love how you phrased it as like, we go out on dates and it ends up being a bit of a marriage. And I was imagining when you were discussing it a little bit was like, if somebody say wanted an exit, it's sort of like, well, it's divorce in a sense. You know, nobody wants it to, you know, nobody wants everything to blow up, so to speak, much like a real divorce. But it's sort of like you just want it to be as easy and and, and as you know, the transition can be as easy as possible for everybody. And to and be able to have of, something. What's that? That's the beauty of this divorce is that when it's, it, it, you know, it's coming. I mean, that, listen, we do hear stories of people who, who die in these places. There are definitely people who bought co-ownerships in the 70s. Now, and now one, one of the partners is dying off and the estate has to deal with the properties. And in those situations, even more so, it would be a lot easier if they had legal agreements in place because it doesn't just revert to the other owner like it would in judicial death. But, you know, that's why we have these, these partnership agreements, these co-ownership agreements, these legal agreements in place because they are the prenup. Uh, and the beauty of this is that there isn't all the emotion that's normally involved in signing a prenup. You know that you need to have an exit strategy because you're not going to inherit each other's properties. And so you just sign it in advance. And by signing it in advance, you don't have all that stress and drama that is traditionally associated with divorce uh, because you don't have an amicable exit strategy uh, but by doing your due diligence and not just diving into it and and taking your chances but by talking a lot in advance and using our professionals and signing a good agreement you have an amicable exit strategy you know you you always know what your ways out are and as i said you know we're we're here to help you uh, redate if you want to find an exit strategy that does not involve having to sell your property yeah it sounds like the next step is to start creating some sort of real estate Tinder app where people can start, you know, kind of connecting with people in a way, maybe. There are a few of them out there right now. Absolutely. Oh, get out. There's a, yeah, there's, there's a couple of them just starting up uh, a group, a, a site called Shertini. There's a new one out of Ontario that we're thinking about partnering up with. Um, whose name I can't remember offhand. Um, that a group there called GoCo Solutions has launched. Uh, this, is, this is a global phenomenon. There's a, a group out of Australia called Mortgage Mates that has now launched in the UK and in, um, I think, in the US. 
um, that is about matchmaking in that sense. There are groups all around the United States doing this. Uh, it is definitely a growing reality in all places where real estate is insanely expensive. Uh, and again, to remind people that co-ownership of real estate is not a new concept, right? This has been going back for years because even when real estate wasn't as insane as it is now, there's always people who couldn't afford it as was or would rather pay less or would rather build community or, you know, live in, in, in another environment. So, I mean, even just owning a condo is co-ownership, right? You may own freehold, but you share ownership of the land, the, the exterior of the building, and you're stuck with whatever your strata decides. At least by doing this, you create your own rules, your own policy. You know who, who all your co-investors and your co-owners are. You're not st stuck in some random strata as subject to the will of, of the group. So co-ownership is, is the, the, the way real estate is going, period. It's the way it's been going for 50 years plus because no one can afford to own big, their own big houses anymore. But um, this is just another form of it, a way of kind of working a hack to work around the, the current legal um, title system um, to create even more community and more affordability and hopefully more sustainability. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I mean, this has been a, such an enlightening conversation. Uh, I'm sure if, if people are interested and want to get a hold of you, they're going to want to know how. So, uh, Noam, tell me, how can people get a hold of you? So, noamdolgan.com is my website. Uh, or you can just call me, 604-254-2549. So, I'm happy to talk generally about, you know, the housing market in your area, what options exist for traditional, non-traditional, and or co-ownership options. Uh, and then, if you want to get more into the co-ownership specific, definitely check out Coho BC which is cohobc.com and come to one of our info sessions or check out some of our YouTube videos. Uh, there's, there's a lot of information out there now on this topic. Fantastic. Well, awesome. And if anyone wants to get a hold of me regarding their next mortgage, uh, especially regarding uh, sustainable housing solutions, uh, you know, uh, feel free to connect with me. It's always good to have an expert on your side is what I was trying to get at. And that's why people would call you. So reach out to me. My website, of course, is kofskymortgage.ca. Um, as well as, uh, you know, email me, call me, text me, you know, information's always in the, uh, the podcast, uh, box, but if you need anything at all, feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to help. Thank you so much, Noam. You've been great. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Happy to come back anytime. Have a great day and shalom. <laughs> <laughs> shalom. Yes. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, Noam. <laughs>